baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome in week six of the NFL season. We're getting ready for Saints taking on the Texans in Houston. Steve Geller along with Charlie Long and also Cullen Steele running things at Master Control. A noon kickoff for the three and two Saints taking on the two and three Texans. And man, oh man, we got a, uh, I guess the shortest road trip of the season. I guess shortest road trip maybe of all the Saints opponents. Huh? This, this is the shortest distance to travel for the black and gold. Oh, I thought you were talking about with the Thursday night football game coming up. I was, <laughs> no, I was no, no. I was just like, no, this one coming. in Houston might be the shortest yeah, overall it, trip. I think you're right. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah, that's correct as far as the road games this season because then they have Indianapolis left, Atlanta, Minnesota, definitely not. Um, the Rams, and yeah. So, yeah, yeah, just in general, I think throughout the entire NFL, this would be the shortest road trip, huh? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you consider maybe like Sanford, like the LA teams playing each other or something like that. So, or like, oh no, I'm just talking for New Orleans, like this for the Saints to, to make a road absolutely. trip. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's as you said, not a very far trip. But Houston, you know, a team that was absolutely horrific last year, won three games. They've already won two in five weeks. So I think that turnaround is working out pretty well for them. Yeah, not the pushovers. I think a lot of us might have expected when the schedule first came out thinking new coach new quarterback the Saints should easily roll to a victory in this one I do think obviously the Saints have a great matchup uh, in their favor here but still playing on the road against a team that definitely believes in themselves believes in their head coach is always dangerous so when we were because we were uh, we played that preseason game against the Texans this year (laughs) right um, when the Saints were like scheduled to do their joint practices and then they canceled them because the Texans were dealing with so many injuries. We talked to a couple different Texans reporters and they were all saying the look, the Texans in building think they got the right guy. Like they are so confident with D'Amico Ryans, the former DC of the San Francisco 49ers coming in and changing things and building his own culture. And I Dennis Allen said it earlier on in the week that he's trying to build this Texans team in the mold that the 49ers are built like under Shanahan, right? Like that's, where D'Amico Ryans comes from, that's that coaching tree. Um, and so far, so good for the Texans. They, they've really surprised this year. I don't think anyone really expected them to get off to at least a 2-3 and three start. And the way they beat like the Jaguars and stuff like that, they, they've been pretty dangerous. And that's mostly because of C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback, who you know I just said they hit on D'Amico Ryans. They nailed that draft pick. He's been awesome so far. No, you you definitely mentioned unexpected right there for the Texans. And I think, obviously, the, the biggest part of that has been C.J. Stroud being so – efficient, uh, taking care of the football, uh, and being able to just move his team. They haven't been, you know, gangbusters on offense, but when you're you're taking care of the football, it's going to keep you in a lot of games, obviously. They've been pretty good recently. I mean, in the, I, the, the one stinker that they've sort of had offensively was against the Ravens in week one. I mean, if you're a rookie quarterback and you're going against that Baltimore defense in week one, a very, very physical AFC North team, that's not – the schedule makers aren't doing you any favors. But in the last three weeks specifically, Steve, they've averaged over 28 points per game. I mean, that's that's pretty good efficiency We would from take that from our offense oh, right now. 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, overall, I think they're at 24, a little over 24 points per game offensively as a unit, but that also includes scoring nine against Baltimore in that week one loss. 
take that out of the picture. They're they're averaging close to twenty eight. Yeah, last week I'm looking here. Obviously, they only mustered nineteen points against the Falcons, falling twenty one nineteen to the Dirty Birds. Man, Atlanta three and zero at home this season. Not expected that one at all either. Yeah, the Texans came close. They came really, really close. CJ Stroud threw that really clutch uh, touchdown, but then you know the Falcons. Desmond Ritter had probably his best career game. Yeah, uh, you saw three hundred yards passing. You were like, "Is that correct?" <laughs> yeah, from that guy. The, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, the uh, we had a game coming up at eight thirty. Oh, one last one uh, this season the Ravens across the, the pond. Yeah, in London. Not a third straight matchup for the Jags. Yeah, no, back to back. And I mean, I think that was a when they beat the Bills last week, that had to be, you know, an edge for them specifically, just staying over there and having the Bills travel uh, across the pond. Um, yeah, so Ravens and Titans, if you want to talk about a really physical football game in London, uh, I think both those teams are going to come with their lunchboxes ready. See, last year when the Saints went to London, obviously they stayed that whole week ahead of time to get acclimated where the Vikings showed up was a day or two before and ended up pulling out the victory. So, yeah, I, I don't know the you know the rationale or yeah. Yeah, reasonings you want to put behind it. You could, I think, argue either way. To me, though, it definitely seems like you would be more prepared being acclimated to the environment. Yeah, and the Jaguars, I mean, this is kind of looking ahead yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we, we're used to this London atmosphere it's already. It's kind of weird because if you look at them, they're so much better so far this season away from home <laughs> like than they are like at home in Jacksonville. And so, I mean, they played back-to-back games in London. They've looked pretty good in both of them. Um, but then even outside of that, their other road game, they've been really solid. It's been when they've been at home that they've struggled. Uh, and, of course, they're coming to the Caesar Superdome in <laughs> a couple days on Thursday. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, we'll get a uh, quick turnaround this week. After, yeah, no obviously, kidding. after today, we got Thursday night football waiting in the wings and the black and gold finally come back home. Uh, but for this matchup, I don't think there were any surprises on the people listed out for the black and gold. Tight end Juwan Johnson, yep. uh, safety Lonnie Johnson Jr., fullback Adam Prentice, safety JT Gray, and tackle Landon Young, who did, they all didn't practice all week with their injuries and are listed as out. The one that came up as a surprise on Friday, who was a full go all week, Andrus Pete coming back from a concussion protocol, looked to be good, and then groin. Friday, yeah, a groin issue pops up on the injury report, and now he's questionable going into this matchup, whereas, you know, some studs like Cam Jordan, Chris Olave, James Hurst, uh, and Derek Carr, obviously, dealing with that shoulder injury, uh, a full go towards the end of the week, no injury designations, next to their name, so they are good to go. Uh, Saints also announced yesterday the club has signed practice squad running back Jordan Mims to the active roster, and they placed Adam Prentice on injured reserve, the fullback, also elevating from the practice squad tight end J.P. Holtz and safety Daniel Sorensen to the active roster. Those are all uh, standard elevations right there. Uh, going to be interesting to see what the Saints do in the case of the fullback and I guess that's why they obviously put uh, Jordan Mims from the practice squad to the octave roster now with Prentice going to IR. Yeah no going on an IR that's not good news obviously you have to kind of change what you want to do without your fullback and obviously you're starting tight end as well Juwan Johnson out. We haven't um, seen him all year I, man. It's been it's been a couple weeks that he hasn't practiced I, I don't his, that calf injury must be really bugging him, um, which is unfortunate because everything we saw from training camp and preseason, we we're just thinking that this was going to be a huge breakout year for this guy. They extended him in the offseason, and he just hasn't really been able to be on the field, unfortunately, with that calf injury. So hopefully he gets uh, good and ready to go because we know what he can provide the Saints offense, especially with Derek Carr leading the way.
Want to hear what you're up to this morning? Who dads? Give us a call on the Oakland Hard Jewelers Talk and Text Line. That's 504 260 1870. Game predictions. Who you think's due for a bust out game? Whatever you want to do, sound off right here on First Take with me and Charlie Long. Coming back, we'll get to our NFL analyst, Mike Dettelier. Get inside the Scouts notebook, breaking down some of those Houston Texans players right here after this on WWL. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Yes, indeed. Week six in the NFL. We've got another noon star for the black and gold coming up on WWL Saints Radio in Houston. The three and two Saints taking on the two and three Texans. Now welcoming in Mike Dettelier, WWL NFL and college football analyst. Mike D's Notebook brought to you by the Thibodeau Regional Health System. Good morning, Mike, and uh, ready for another big black and gold matchup. And, uh, you know, every week we're talking about quarterbacks, obviously, and this guy, uh, rookie for Texans, has been quite impressive. C.J. Stroud obviously being efficient and also securing the football. Yeah, he really has. I mean, he's always been known reputation-wise as a very accurate quarterback. Um, Doesn't put a lot of bad balls up to get picked off. And uh, he knows how to run an offense real well. At Ohio State, they didn't use him a lot running around. He was really basically a pocket quarterback. Other than the one game when they played against Georgia, okay, in that Final Four matchup where he really made a bunch of plays off the edge. And so you got to be cognizant of that. But he's smart. He's accurate. Has not thrown an interception. And that's amazing. Uh, you know, in, in his rookie season. So uh, can you get pressure on him? First things first, you got to stop the run. They have not run. Like the Saints, they have had difficulties running the football, a lot of difficulties. But they've pass protected pretty well. So stop the run and then force him to be the guy to beat you throwing the football. Mike, one of CJ's best weapons so far early on this season has been Nico Collins, but Collins has got some weird home road splits that I've noticed. He's played so much better at home than he has on the road. For instance, in week two against the Steelers, he caught nine or seven passes for 168 yards and two touchdowns. And then in week four against the Colts at home, seven passes, 146 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, that combines for 314 of his team leading 467 total yards and all three of his touchdowns have come in Houston. Um, so he's going to be definitely a guy to key in on if you're the Saints defense because you don't want him to have another one of those big home performances. Yeah, you know, uh, Charlie, he's a guy that I remember. He was one of the most highly recruited wide receivers in the country. He's from Alabama. He goes play his college football at Michigan. So, you know, I know we've said this before, but, you know, that was name image likeness long before name image likeness became legal. Right. That's not a lot of guys leave, the uh, you know, with a chance to go to Alabama or Georgia and end up at Michigan. And so uh, he had a solid career uh, with the Wolverines, but he's a big target receiver, great size, got really good length to go out and catch a football and He's got a little bit of scoop with him. 
Uh, now, he's not one step fast, but he's got some speed to him after the catch. But you got to respect the fact that he is a big physical receiver, and he'll go up and make a play. It's interesting the, the home and away splits with him catching the football. Uh, I know before Tank Dell got hurt and with the concussion issues, they liked that combination of, of Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Tank gave them the guy that could blow the top off coverage, and Collins could work that short intermediate route. But you've got to go more to him now without Dell in the lineup. Uh, still dealing with a concussion issue. And, uh, and same thing with Dalton Schultz at tight end. But, man, Nico's a really good player. And he has been really a better pro player than he was in college. And sometimes it doesn't work that way. Maybe what Michigan was doing didn't quite fit his talents. But I, I think he's a really good receiver in this league. Mike, you mentioned Schultz a little bit. The Saints have been pretty good against the tight end this year, but uh, I know he can be a problem. Uh, you mentioned Tank Dell. He's questionable, not expected to play in this game. Uh, Robert Woods, another guy who's questionable but is expected to play. But what does the tight end Dalton Schultz bring to that Texans team? And he's a tall drink of water. If you've watched the Cowboys all those years, the last three years with Dallas, he caught 198 passes and 17 of them ended up in the end zone. Wow. In three years. So basically, that's almost 200 catches and 17 touchdowns in a three-year time frame. Now, this year, he's caught 17 passes, 154 uh, yards, two touchdowns. So you can see, short, intermediate, red zone, that's where C.J. Stroud wants to go to. Same thing with Dak. Dak used him a lot in that area uh, to move the chains, and when you got near the end zone, try to find him. It's difficult to cover that big six-foot-five-and-a-half guy. So the receiving core for them has been good, really has. Uh, and I think they've got some talents, not only short-term but long-term. When you're talking about Nico and Tank Dell and Dalton Schultz, uh, but uh, Dalton's been a really productive player in this league. When you're talking about 198 catches over the last three years and then 17 this year, He's been a productive tight end, catches the ball really well, and he's sort of a glorified wide receiver playing tight end. He, you know, he knows how to get open downfield, and he's a size mismatch uh, downfield too. So uh, short yardage, red zone, that's the guy I'm keeping my eye on, Dalton Schultz. Hopping to the defensive side of the ball, Mike, two Alabama rookies with Will Anderson Jr. and then Henry Tooto, both linebackers, obviously Will, Will Anderson, the third overall pick in this past draft. When the Texans made that splash move to ensure that they got both Stroud and uh, Anderson in the top three picks of this past draft, I, I think that they really kickstarted their rebuild because obviously both were hits for them. And then Henry Tooto, a guy that really kind of fell in the draft into the fifth round, and then they scooped him up. I thought that was a good pick at the time. Um, and both have been performing pretty well this season. But I just want to get your thoughts on both those rookies from Alabama. Yeah, um, you know, Will, I know a little bit more than uh, Henry only because Will, you know, he was mentored by Pete Jenkins. Uh, Pete had him and worked with him a lot at Alabama. And in the offseason, Pete worked with, with Will hmm. and uh, just a terrific athlete. Pete's uh, doing pretty good like, there at LSU now, huh? 
Yeah, well, he's helped. Uh, <laughs> as, as I would tell him, they bet her. Uh, how much better right, right. remains to be seen. But they bet her uh, on that part. But Will, man, he's just a really good athlete. He loves this game at the highest level. He's explosive. He can get off the ball real quickly. He's got a nice assortment of moves and counter moves to beat you. If I'm the Saints, I, I try to run the football out him to slow him down. Now, the problem has been the Saints have had difficulties running the football consistently well. And and that may be kind of the prelogue to what we've seen, some changes up front along their offensive line of you trying to get a running game cranked up. They have become better in pass protection, but they, they really haven't moved people off the line of scrimmage. But Will is great athlete, super guy, loves this game, and he was well worth what you paid to get him. Because he's, you're gonna get everything he's got. Uh, he leaves it out on the field, and you can use him a lot of different ways. You can sort of move him around. D'Amico hasn't done that. He, he would like for him to sort of get settled in what he can do. But I think eventually you'll see them move around a little bit with him because you know he's a prize player. I think him and, and Stingley. Uh, and, and Derek won't play today because he has the hamstring issue. Those are the two guys that they're going to try to build this defense around uh, in the future. With Henry, he was a highly recruited football player, ends up at University of Tennessee, played there, was a really productive player. He goes to University of Alabama, transfers out. Um, smart, instinctive. He takes good angles to the football. He's their leading tackler. Now, the one thing in watching him and also watching a number of the kind of back seven from the Texans, man, they miss a lot of tackles. They're there, but, you know, guys get away from them. Uh, I'd like to see Henry become a little bit more secure tackler out in the open field. But, man, he can run. He's instinctive. And when he uses good techniques as a tackler, He's a good football player for the NFL, and he's been a really uh, great pickup for them for where they got him in round five. And you get a starting linebacker. So Henry's a smart player and gets it. He just gets it. And when you're at Alabama, one thing for sure, you well coached. Especially, you know, Nick spends a lot of time with the secondary and linebackers. Henry's a good pickup for them. The one negative is with watching him sometimes he doesn't make the secure tackle you look for the big hit instead of the tackle and guys get away from him and but i can say that for a number of the secondary people the texans have um i would think today you know if i see that the saints have also is to hey try to break away from that now, they're going to try to strip the ball from you or hit you high put a big hit you can make yardage after the reception or after first contact on this football team defensively i know ryan's has talked about it that's driven driven him up the wall because when he was in san francisco they didn't have that issue but he's got some guys here that kind of will go more for the say kill shot than the secure tackle Mike, I know last week, obviously, odds makers thought we were in store for a much tighter game 
in New England this week. Uh, also, the line only has the Saints as a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. Uh, how are you feeling about today's game? Is this going to be one of those? Uh, I don't get that. I really don't. I think the Saints win today. Yeah. And, and I think it's more than a touchdown. All right. I like that feeling. No, listen, uh, it's like uh, betting the over on an LSU and a USC game. <laughs> no matter where they put it at, man, and, and I gave some hesitancy for both, but they, they both covered yesterday onto that deal. They both got the over. Uh, for the Saints, you got a feeling you're catching a team here now that eventually that stuff about not throwing interceptions is going to yeah. catch you. Uh, you can't go that much longer without putting the ball up and you maybe throw a bad pass. And he had a couple of them against Atlanta. Man, he hit them in a bad place, right in the hands. They dropped it. Uh, so their lack of a running game sort of plays into the hands of the Saints. Because my thing is, you don't let them run the ball and then you get after the rookie quarterback. You make him beat you throwing the football downfield. And so, um, you know, I like the Saints in this game, and I think they cover. Uh, I, I, I felt that way last week. I feel that way this week that uh, you're catching a team here that has gone through the rebuilding stages. So you're going to get highs and lows with them, you know. And normally their highs have been when they play at home. But today I think the Saints take care of business and they beat the Texans. Love to hear that, Mike D. But I think another kind of point that you're making about, you know, with the Texans offense specifically, they're averaging three yards per rush. They're 27th in the NFL with like 82 yards per rushing yards per game total. I mean, you're on the money with this one, Mike. It's just stopping the run, but also getting after Stroud and forcing those bad passes. Because if you look at what they've been able to do so far, like if you just looking at the games that they have so far, uh, in their wins, the Saints have had nine sacks in three games. In their losses, they have two and two. I did pull that uh, stat up real quick. But looking at Carl Granderson specifically, uh, three and a half sacks this season, all of them have come in wins. But he's going against Laramie Tunsil this week, which isn't the yeah. easiest matchup. I was going to say, it depends on who you're going up against. No, he's going up against one of the elite in the business uh, in Laramie Tunsil. Um, he's not this huge 330-pound guy. Uh, you know, we're talking to Deuce about it, and he's like, he he's really built more like a power forward in basketball than he is a big heavyweight left tackle. But he is so good technically. The way he can use his arms and hands. But, man, you talk about footwork. He's got kind of picture-perfect footwork to, to kind of stall you in your place. Uh, if you're trying to get a pass rush on him. He's always been known as a really good pass protector, a guy that he secures that blind side, and you ain't getting a lot of pressure from there. Uh, he's been a good to very good run blocker. He beats you with technique more than, say, power. But, man, he is really good. He is a really good football player. It's an interesting matchup today with him and Carl uh, on how that sort of matches up. But the other guys should get be able to get pressure if you don't get it from Carl today because of the fact that that has been one point with their offensive line 
they've been better in protecting the quarterback than running the football. But if you've got to protect him and he's got to throw the football 40 times, you ought to be able to get after him. The one difference between him and Mac Jones is he's much more, uh, I would say, inept to get out and run the ball if you get him pressure, to move around. He's not a runner, but he'll buy time with his feet and get to the perimeter. Mac don't even do that. I mean, he, he feels it and he throws the lollipop up. And so CJ's the type of guy that he would throw the ball away more than he would try to put it in coverage from what he's played so far this season. But eventually that rookie streak of not throwing an interception is going to come to an end because we've seen it with rookie quarterbacks. They, they ride the roller coaster where they'll play some good games and then they come back down to earth and he don't have the five blocks of granite in front of him, uh, protecting him again, stop the run, and say, okay, if you're going to beat me, beat me with the rookie quarterback, but I'm not letting you run this football on me. And last year late, they were competitive because they could run the ball. Mike, one last kind of point about the rookie quarterbacks. We've heard it from a lot of fans that, oh, the Saints always struggle against rookie QBs, rookie QBs. It's a myth. It's a myth. And, And I want to give credit to Jeff Nowak, the sideline reporter, for putting this out there for everyone to see. Since Dennis Allen took control of the Saints' defense, and was their DC and now their head coach. The Saints are 11 and 3 against rookie quarterbacks. Those three losses Kyle Allen with the Panthers in 2018, Jalen Hurts with the Eagles in 2020, and Kenny Pickett with the Steelers in 2022. Those are the only three losses that Dennis Allen's coach defense has suffered against rookie QBs since he joined the Saints. It's a myth, Mike. Yeah, and we said that from the start. I don't know where they pulled this out of. Now, again, if you want to talk about the past, there's one thing. Right. But they've struggled with good quarterbacks and bad quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks in the past. Uh, Man, I've seen it. I've seen it almost from year one. So I get that part. But recently, that's not been the case. Last year, people will say, well, Kenny Pickett beat him. Okay, Kenny Pickett, he threw for less than 200 yards. You know what beat him? They rushed for, I think, 217 yards on the Saints defense that day. And I think the Saints rushed for 27 or 28 yards. I'll do it. So, uh, okay, you want to crown Kenny Pickett? Uh, <laughs> go right ahead and do it. Now, Jalen Hurts, they're still trying to stop him. Yeah. The two times <laughs> A lot the of teams are, though, Jalen Mike. Hurts, man, it ain't been good with Jalen. Uh, man, he's sort of got you number-wise. But that that's a fantasy. And apparently somebody media-wise has banged the drum on that. And it is a repeat of not understanding or not knowing what you're talking about. That's that's totally untrue. Now, okay, if it happens today, you get beat by the rookie quarterback. Okay, so what you're going to be eleven and four? Yeah, but eleven and four. I don't think that's happening today. And man, the word out of Indianapolis, you know, with Anthony Richardson isn't good, and you play in him pretty quickly, and the deal, and doesn't look like. Man, Anthony could potentially miss the entire year. So you're playing Uncle Rico. You know, you could play Garner Minshew. The last time he played the Saints, man, and he and he had a juggernaut team around him. Yeah, much better Eagles, roster. Really good team. Uh, he spit a bit like a bad horse uh, against the Saints. So that is a total myth under Dennis Allen running the defense. Total, total myth. 
uh, about the rookie quarterbacks. And uh, we had one guy, oh, yeah, but uh, I remember last year, uh, man, Brock Purdy lit him up. Brock Purdy, he didn't even play against the Saints. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so if you looked up those stats, you knew who you played. That That's just to try to add on to the fantasy uh, about the rookie quarterbacks. But uh, they've done a good job uh, defensively. Really, really have. And you got to give them credit. Their defense, other than, say, that Monday night game against Lamar Jackson and Baltimore, uh, they have really played well on the defensive side of football. Really, the struggles have been on offense, trying to find a running game and trying to find some consistency in the passing game. And today, uh, I think they're going to put a, try to put a lot of emphasis on running the ball better. I think deep down inside Dennis Allen, that gets under his crawl. That they, this team has not been able to run the football well this year. Mike, always appreciate the time. Obviously, be talking to you more coming up at 10 a.m. when we switch over to the Bud Light Countdown to kickoff with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. Talk to you later, Mike. All right, guys. Y'all take care. Thank See you, Mike. Mike, these notebook brought to you by the Thibodeau Regional Health System. When we get back from the break, get into a little Saint sound right here on WWL. Gearing up for a noon kickoff in Houston, Texans hosting the Saints. Uh, kind of some major developments going into this game. Uh, seeing Jeff Duncan putting out an article this morning. Saints offensive line expected to have a new look today. James Hurst expected to replace Trevor Penning at left tackle for the Saints against Texans. That's a big wow to me. Yeah, no kidding. So, like, my, my immediate reaction to that is how does it shuffle out? Like, if you're just – are you just benching Penning and he's not going to, like, play at all? And then do you put – I mean, Pete is dealing with that groin strain that he Correct, suffered right. in practice. So he's questionable. I, I don't know if he's going to play or not yet. We don't have the, the word on it just yet. Right. Um, Garcia? According, yeah, to Jeff Duncan's information, he's saying that we're going to have James Hurst sliding into that spot at left tackle for Penning. And then, yeah, Penning's going to get benched totally. Wow. And that Mark, Max Garcia will end up taking over the role for Andrus Pete, who's questionable today due to a groin issue. That's wild. Like, if you think about it, at the start of the season, Penning was one of the most maligned players on the Saints roster. A lot of people were after him because of how poor he was in pass protection. Right. He's improved in pass pro the last couple of weeks. Granted, level of competition, you don't face Matthew Judon. That helps as well against the <laughs> Patriots. But and, and now they're benching him. That's, that's, uh, I don't want to say that's out of left field necessarily, but that's not a good sign for a former first-round pick. No, it seems a bit harsh for him, especially, you know, you keep talking about wanting him to develop, and it appeared, at least to me, uh, and my naive football <laughs> eye that, you know, uh, he wasn't being mentioned. Yeah, that he was improving. But I and, mean, that's kind of the funny part was that when when Penning was getting, you know, slammed <laughs> by all these fans that he wasn't playing well, D.A. was the guy that was defending him. He's just like, look, he just needs reps. He'll get better. He'll improve. Just give him time type of thing. And now he's getting benched in week five or like after five weeks i don't know man That's definitely going to be interesting obviously to see how the o-line ends up responding today if that does in fact happen and i obviously uh jeff duncan putting that news out is pretty reliable yeah absolutely and if you look at the texans defense specifically they're not i mean Pete carmichael called them really fast and energetic but looking at them as far as sack production it's not really there and i mean will anderson jr is going to be a really good player in this league just give him time. He's a rookie, the former third overall pick. But they only have seven sacks on the season. It's not a lot through five games, right. Steve. So as far as pass pro goes, I think that Derek Carr, if, if look, if the Saints offensive line gives up four sacks or something today to a team that has seven all season, that's going to be a bad look. 
Looking at the Saints defense, a guy that's a standout for the black and gold linebacker, Pete Werner. Here's what he had to say this week, getting ready for the Texans. And the turnovers so far this year, how much of a confidence booster has that been given the production in the past? Uh, yeah, it's a huge confidence booster. I mean, we look at the stats, DA puts it up there every single week is um, who's winning the turnover takeaway ratio. We know that it's a big game changer and big game changer as far as your win-loss record. Uh, we know if we turn the ball a lot, we're going to win games. So that's that's the emphasis there. Pete, yeah. we were talking to you last week about this defense not being at standard against the Bucks to be able to kind of flip the script yeah. and shut a team out. How good was that for it was great. It was great. It was a huge confidence booster. We know what this defense can do, and we know what we're capable of. Um, I, I just think that uh, it all started in practice. We had a great week last week. It showed up in the game, especially on third down day like today. Um, we're having a great week of practice this week. I think that as far as our preparation, when it's there, it shows up on game day. So we just got to keep doing well in practice and then going out there and executing at the end of the day on Sunday. When you're preparing for a quarterback like CJ Stroud, he's not necessarily a running quarterback, but he moves up in the pocket kind of mm-hmm. like you guys saw yeah. with Baker Mayfield. Now, how, how are you preparing for him? Do you maybe look back at that film? Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily look back. I do think they're different quarterbacks. He can use his feet pretty well. He's he's being protected pretty well as far as their offensive line. Um, but he's smart. I mean, he's making really good decisions. Their offense is suited up very well for him. And his receivers are making plays at the end of the day. And he's got a really good game plan. Um, our job is just to um, disrupt him and, and uh, disrupt the timing to uh, to make it a tough day for him. Uh, like CJ. <laughs> Uh, man, we got to we got to rush him. We got to affect the timing interior, and our we got to stay locked down in the secondary. And I think that's kind of the biggest piece there. You played with uh, CJ twenty twenty in Boston. We are together. Yes, twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. Yes. Were there? Well, I guess were there stuff you saw early on that like. Are, are you going like, you know, I'm not surprised he's having me open this early. Right. We always knew that he could throw the ball well. Um, he, he's very confident, but you can tell. Last time I met him, he, he's not playing as – he wasn't as confident as what he's playing like now. So he's really matured as a player um, as far as a leader as well. You can just see it out there. So I'm excited for the matchup. I know he's a great player. So uh, we just got to put it out there on film. Saints linebacker Pete Werner obviously knows a little bit about C.J. Stroud, but still not the same guy he is now that he was then and when he they were at Ohio State. Yeah, sort of week at a glance. You're talking about a confidence in the quarterback. You go from one of the least confident QBs in Mac Jones, who had gotten benched <laughs> last week, and yeah. then to now C.J. Stroud, who's flying high and ranked top 10 in passing yards, passing attempts, passing completions, passer rating, no interceptions. He's like borderline top 10 in touchdowns. So, yeah, you're, you're – Going from two young quarterbacks, but it's a juxtaposition. One the guy that had no confidence to one that's got a ton of it. So Yeah, and, and more young quarterbacks come Thursday too, obviously, with uh Trevor Lawrence who's yeah. he's he's looking yeah. pretty confident this season as well. Yeah, the crown prince of the AFC South. <laughs> uh, but as far as I mean, that that division's got a lot of young QBs. If you look at Richardson, Stroud and now Lawrence as well, it's just kind of Tannehill is the old man of that group. Right. We'll see if Levis works out, I guess. Checking out our Oakland Hard Jewelers Rolex time check. Three hours, five minutes till our noon start in Houston between the two and three Texans and your three and two New Orleans Saints. I'm Steve Geller along with Charlie Long and Cullen Steele behind the glass getting you ready for kickoff right here on WWL Saints Radio. High noon, 10 a.m. 
The Bud Light Countdown, the kickoff will be coming up. We got one more hour after this on First Take, coming back with more on WWL. Want to thank the good folks at Magazine Pizza for feeding our in-studio Saints game day crew. Magazine Pizza, 1068 Magazine, dine-in or delivery. The best gourmet pizza selection in town. Magazine Pizza's also got pastas, sandwiches, wings, and salads. Just go check out MagazinePizza.com. Definitely looking forward to that a little later yeah, today. It's a I uh, want to get into our Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. want to hear from you, 504-260-1870. Closing out this hour, though, folks. So Big John and the rest of you will be right with you in the second half of First Take and be leading up to the Bud Light countdown, the kickoff, which will be 10 a.m. with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. Then it's game time in Houston with the voice of the Saints, Mike Haas, and Saints color analyst Deuce McAllister and sideline reporter Jeff Nowak bringing you the latest from H-Town. Hopefully another black and gold victory. Uh, we can't keep going back and forth with these wins, losses with this squad. Yeah, no, let's get a winning streak going. We're heading into that home game against Jacksonville. Coming up with another hour first take. Want to hear from you. Be right back here on WWL Saints Radio. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.